We're in the last days of February and March is around the corner. The second half of the NBA season has just begun and March Madness is in two weeks away. Myself and Michael Gray, product of the Virginia Conference, touch up on all the action. This is the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, streaming on WNSC Radio. Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. And we welcome our listeners here back inside the Studio Z, inside of our broadcast booth here on the Sebi Podcast Show, streaming on WNSC Radio. Michael here, uh, trying to get warmed up out there in Virginia, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, brother. Sure. It's, it's good to be here. How you doing today? We're doing well. We're doing well. And um, we've got a great, a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, it's the, the end of uh, February, early March is about to be upon us here. Second half of the NBA season. And March Madness is looming in front of us. Uh, you know, it was kind of crazy. I met a girl. Um, I think she was one of our fans. And, and she said that um, <laughs> she thought it was funny that I have outside stuff that I do as a podcaster, my regular activities. You watch Netflix? And she said, and I was just like, of course I watch Netflix. I mean, why, why would I not watch Netflix? That makes, right. that makes no sense. I was like, I have a life, too. Yeah, we have like, we have like, there's other things I do besides sports. I mean, I love food, I love nature. I, I, there's a lot of things I like as well. I just thought it was funny that people think that when we do these broadcast things, that's the only thing we do in our daily lives. <laughs> exactly, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel your pain because I get that same misconception all the time. It's like, it's like we, we, we're all we're so focused in the sports that we're. That that that's so. Sometimes I even have family members tell me that ask me, "Do you do anything outside of sports? Do you watch anything other than sports?" Yeah, all the time. I definitely do. You know, I have a life as well. But right, sports, right. We we're not combine. robots. Yeah, yeah. We can't. We're not programmed to only watch sports. Nevertheless, it was a great weekend. Um, got a chance to watch the Oscars. Green Book won a Best Picture. A great movie. I highly recommend it for you, my man. Uh, it's great, 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 great movie there. Okay. Um, a lot of life learning, um, teaching lessons in that um, best film. So uh, definitely recommend it there. But nevertheless, let's get right to the topics here. When we okay. talk about my team, you know, <laughs> Mike, when we talk about my team, America knows I bleed green. I bleed green <laughs> and gold. You know, my C's, my leprechauns, my Boston Celtics have not been Looking good as of weeks. And, and right now, thorns are coming on my head. I'm having headaches. You know, I, I'm actually going to say we have, I'm not sure if we have a Kyrie Irving problem, but something is wrong. Something is wrong. I, I, I don't know what it is. And I'm getting the feeling it's on the floor. I don't think it's inside the locker room or outside when the guys are hanging out. I think it's just on the floor. We have a problem. You know, without... Kyrie Irving, Boston's nine and two without him, and with him they're only twenty eight and twenty three. Now here's this stat: the last six games that Kyrie Irving has played with Boston, they're zero and six. Without Kyrie Irving, they're six and zero. Well, something's got to give. I'm not an analytics guy, but uh, you know Jamel and uh, Michael and uh, they used to say numbers don't lie. So what's up with my seeds? I mean, uh, you know we can't. We have a Kyrie Irving problem when he gets going. Guys just stand around. 
You know, we're not cutting, we're not moving. There's no ball movement. I, 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 as great as a talent that he is, I don't think he's the focal leader of the team. I actually think that Al Horford is supposed to be doing that. Now, whether Al is doing that, I'm not too sure either. So there's a, this team is in dysfunctional right now and in disarray. Mike, what's going on with my C's? Well, I agree with you about being the vocal leader should probably come from Al Horford because he's the big time veteran. I understand Kyrie is the champion, which is why he, he, the court as far as playing wise and stuff like that, but vocal leader getting the galvanizing the troops and getting everybody involved, I, I agree with you on Al Horford. But as far as as far as how the Celtics have looked lately and 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 throughout it's, throughout majority of this season, uh, it's it's, it's an eighty two game season, man. It's a long process. I, I I believe in the Celtics. I'm I'm one of the one of the people that came into this season saying that the Boston Celtics will uh, will will represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals, and I, I stand by that. I still feel like they. They have all the tools. Look, look it, right now they're in the midst of a, a five-game losing streak, four, four, four-game losing streak, four five-game losing streak. and They've lost six of their last eight. Yes, yeah, six of their last eight. And it happens. It, it, it's part of an 82-game season. You're going to have lapses where you look awful, where you look absolutely awful. You're going to have times where you look absolutely great. And the Celtics have had both this season. It's been an up-and-down rocky season. It hasn't been as bad as has been advertised uh, for majority of it because they've actually, um, since uh, – Adding Marcus Smart into the starting lineup, they've actually had one of the best records for quite some time. They're just going through a bad stretch right now, Seppi. They're just going through a a, a rough stretch. Uh, guys are missing shots that they normally make the other day. The other day against Portland, they shot terrible from the three point line and still had a chance to win that game. It's it's just, it's, just, it's 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 fine when it comes to the Celtics. I'm not worried about them at all because they're a team that's built for the playoffs. They're one of the, they're a top ten offensive team. They're a top five defensive team. This is a team that's built for the playoffs, and I promise you, you will see a different team, a different attitude, a different mentality once the playoffs arrive. And as far as and to, to, to address your point about whether the Celtics are better with Kyrie or without Kyrie, yes, the record says they're 9-2 without Kyrie, but they have two wins against they, – they have two wins against Utah. Uh, they, they, have they have two wins two, against uh, above 500 teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have two wins against Philly and Brooklyn and two losses against Utah and Brooklyn. Every every other win came against sub-500 500 teams. teams. You right, know, right. so, so the, the numbers are average. The numbers are, you know, yeah, yeah, it looks nice, but it's not like they're out there beating the, the top teams in the East or the top teams in the league. And and also, I want to point out the fact that I remember. I know you remember that game a few a couple of weeks ago when they when they played against the Los Angeles Clippers. And when Kyrie was in the game in the first half, they were up by twenty. And when Kyrie was out in the second half, they lose that game by eleven. That's a thirty-one point swing right there, right. just just off just without Kyrie. You know, so it's 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 a lot of things you can point to record-wise that some of the numbers are fabricated when it comes to whether or not this team is better without Kyrie. This team is is good enough to beat. Majority, majority of the majority of teams in the NBA without Kyrie because that's how stacked the roster is. But as far as taking them over the hump and being a championship contender, yeah, they need Kyrie on this basketball team. I thoroughly agree with you. I thoroughly agree with you with that. Um, here, here's my thing, um, and and I I will agree with you on this. The numbers can be very misleading. Yeah. Um, the numbers are very misleading with the with the statistics as in terms of they're playing good teams and bad teams and stuff like that. But here's my concern because you're awfully more optimistic than I am. <laughs> so um, it, it, I believe that the Celtics can turn this around. Now, it needs to happen sooner than later because there's only 20 to 21 games left in the NBA season. And mm-hmm. 
seemingly you're, it seems as if they're not going to get that top two seed at mo- most they can climb up to is three but who says that because indiana hasn't shown any lapses as well and dave mcmillan's probably the leading candidate for coach of the year because he's had that team without a superstar keeping afloat in the eastern conference so my thing is these habits you know regular season habits that that you have linger with you come postseason time mm-hmm. i understand that everybody has this notion that oh we're gonna flip the switch we're gonna flip the switch because the golden state warriors did it last year um even though they had a rocky start uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James last year, they were awful in the regular season. Come playoff time, a, uh, you know, LeBron and his, you know, troops and his men uh, got it, flipped the switch, and they made to made it to the finals. There's this notion that, oh, we can just flip a switch and all of our tendencies and our habits just go out the door. Well, that that that's, that's not for every team. Not every team has the personnel of a LeBron James. Not every team has the personnel of Curry. Thompson and Kevin Durant you know those are certain a lot of teams don't have that those teams have the luxury of those type of individuals well my concern is this you know the Celtics right now aren't playing well defensively you know they're still top 10 Brad Stevens in his post conference said hey we're taking shortcuts defensively we're going under ball screens on Damian Lillard which I don't know what scouting report are you reading to go under McCollum or Damian Lillard screens. You're going, yeah. you're going under Kawhi Leonard. You're cheating off of him and hedging when you're really supposed to trap. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just paying attention to details. They're not doing that. That that's the habits that concern me. Moving on to the postseason, Kyrie Irving. Okay, all right. If you miss a shot and you're taking ill-advised shot because he does a lot of those, he'll take um. 35-foot tray balls, they look nice when they go in, but they if they don't, the long rebounds turn into transition buckets. You got to get back. They're not moving around. Players are standing around. But here's a concern that I really have, and, and this is with Brad Stevens. I I, cons- I think Brad Stevens is a top, top three, top five coach in the NBA. His man, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward is his guy. We all know the relation with the Butler Bulldogs. They made that Final Four run losing to the national championship with Duke back in 2011. Mm-hmm. His man, Gordon Hayward. Obviously, Gordon Hayward is not 100% healthy. We can see that physically. And I have no problem with that. Uh, Gordon Hayward, I, I'm, I'm, I'm about you know fed up with him as well. He'll score 31 game and then three to four points. But I understand his situation. So I'm, I'm learning to have patience with him. But right. if you're Brad Stevens and... Gordon Hayward is playing 27 to 30 minutes. Well, why don't you take those minutes that Gordon Hayward is and give it to Jalen Brown, give it to Terry Rozier, give it to those guys up their minutes and then sacrifice Gordon Hayward to downside because I I think that Gordon Hayward is an unselfish guy. I At least I get that vibe. I'm not one of the coaching staffs in the locker room. I'm not sure what surrounds the the, the team or the media there, but I have a feeling that Gordon Hayward would not have a problem with that, knowing what he's going through, what he's lingering, coming off of that gruesome injury, kind of like what Paul George did. And then you can have that optimism because when Paul George came back last year, he wasn't himself. It took him until this year, the second year of rehab, to really, you know, have career numbers across the board. So Brad Stevens, this 27 minutes that you're giving uh, Gordon Hayward, I think that one, 
you should insert Jalen Brown into the lineup, bring Marcus Smart outside of the, the starting lineup into the bench so you can have a rotation of Terry, Marcus, Morris, no, Morris is a start, excuse me, uh, Hayward, and when Baines come back in a couple weeks. That is your legit eight, uh, nine-man to ten-man rotation. That way, Jalen last year going in really blossom can get those minutes and he's not hindered because of Gordon Hayward because I think Gordon Hayward is a little bit of the problem himself your thoughts on that he is he is I agree with you he is because he's slower on the defensive side and he he makes this he makes them look slower they're much they're a much more uh quick athletic team when he's not on the court and, and they, they get in transition better and they also play better defense so you have a great point about Gordon Hayward and as far as them sending them sitting out and stuff it's it's that could possibly hurt this team's chance of making it or making it all the way to the finals. Is Brad Stevens not not you know not being able to sit sit one of his one of his one because of his you can't his tell coach? me because Mike you can't tell me that you know you have a let's say you're a coach and you have a guy that you coached that you knew him you recruited him from high school right. you recruit you played with them you coached him in and Butler in in his college years he's become a household name in the NBA All Star. He's made a name for himself, and then you actually get a chance in free agency to lure him, and you're not looking out for him. You can't tell me that Brad Stevens isn't sensitive towards absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think that you know, aside from the individual teammates needing to throw their egos aside, Brad Stevens has to understand in the in betterment of the team, you got to do what's best for the team. Gordon Hayward right now is a liability. He's a great defender when healthy. We've seen that with uh, Utah. They're historically a great defensive team. We know Gordon Hayward can play some defense. Right now, he's slowing the team down. Yep. They're not as athletic. They're they're not moving their feet. And Gordon Hayward is a problem. Right. Yeah, he sure is right now. And and and, and if the Celtics want to want to go far, you're right. He has to sit down for a little while. He he has to come off the bench because him him coming off the bench with the line like he's still gonna get he's still gonna get very solid quality minutes. But him him having 27, 30 minutes like you said and only putting up three or four points. It's not. It's it's a waste of space and a waste of time. Like you have you have so many athletes on this team that can do so much damage in twenty seven minutes. Uh, Terry Rozier, we already know about what he can do. Like Terry, like Terry. majority of the majority of these young players balled out last year in the playoffs. So they've gotten some legitimate playoff experience. They understand what it takes and they know what it, they know what they have to do. But if you hinder their minutes in order to try to coddle coddle Gordon Hayward and make him. You know, assert him quicker than he, than than advertised, then it's it's not gonna bode it's not gonna bode well for the chemistry of the team, and it could possibly hinder them from making it to the finals. But if he does, and the athletes are on that floor, oh, I don't see nobody stopping this team. I don't care what season they are. I don't care where they have to go on. If they have to go on the road, the rest of, if they if they have their athletes on the floor, they can beat any team, any seating at any at any point in time, in any building, any building. Sebi Park. And Sebi podcast show here with Michael Gray here from Cassie on the show. Your thoughts about Stephen A. Smith's, um, you know, reaction to LeBron James, quote unquote, got to stop calling him the best player in the world. Your thoughts on that? This is true, but this is something that obviously my problem with what Stephen A. said was that he waited till after the Memphis Grizzlies game to say that. Yeah, yeah, it was his, it was his opinion. You know, everybody is entitled to their own opinion, but in my opinion. Kevin Durant has been the best basketball player since 2017. That's just my opinion. Because Kevin Durant has been in the middle of his prime. Kevin Durant, see, the move to Golden State didn't change his his game. It, 
before Kevin Durant went to Golden State and he was still in Oklahoma City, he was world-renowned as the second-best player in basketball. You know, so LeBron James has shown shown decline over over the last couple of years. He's shown decline. Kevin Durant has done nothing but get better. So, in my opinion, I've seen Kevin Durant continue continuously striding. He's in the middle of his prime. He's balling right now, and I have him as the best player in the game. And I, I agree with uh, with Stephen A. Smith saying about LeBron calling his teammates out. It's one thing to call your teammates out when you're balling and you're giving it your all and you're doing your thing and you're you're putting that will out there and your team does not you're going to war and your team does not fighting with you. But it's another thing entirely to call your team out when you're you're calling them out on the same defensive lapses that you're that that you're giving. Like LeBron, LeBron is is literally standing in the paint watching three point shooters shoot. He's not helping on defense. He, he's not doing his part. He's shooting, and he was shooting inefficiently at the time. After he was the one that came out and said, "Playoff mode activated," you know, right? He, he wasn't. He wasn't living up to his normal expectations, and a lot, a lot of the, but, but, but it was, you know, it was like an easy way out for him to, you know, point, point to point the fingers at his teammates or what have you. But it, it's just an uneven balance. Like you cause friction in your locker room when you do stuff like that, and plus. You're talking about a bunch of kids, not not kids, grown men, but you're talking about a bunch of young brothers that were just literally coming off of being on the trading block. These young kids, were, these these young guys were on their way out for for this one guy, but it never happened. And now you have, you know, so now, now that they've gotten over that, and you hear you hear these ruptures, you never know what that can do for these guys in the locker room. They're looking, they may be looking at LeBron like, oh no, man, you over here, you calling us out now, but you know th- these are the same guys we. we you're relying on to go to war, but you were just getting ready to ship them out. You know, the Lakers, the Lakers were just on to get ready to ship them out of here. So it's it's a dicey situation in LA right now. I see I see them slightly making the playoffs, like barely. I see them getting that eighth seed in the playoffs. But I tell you right now, I would not be surprised if they don't make the playoffs because Sevy, they just don't play they don't play good enough defense. You saw the game the other day against a New Orleans team that didn't even play Anthony Davis in the fourth quarter. That's that's actually Trying, I don't know if they're taking or not, but it's a team that has been losing games in the past. It's it's just they're not they're not dominating teams, and they're not convincing enough for me to say that they oh it's it's, it's a wrap. They they can easily walk into the playoffs. No, they have to fight every single game, and we never know how long, how how much wear and tear that's going to be, and, and how how much that could wear on not only LeBron but the rest of this team. It's funny. It's funny to me, Mike, when we're we're talking about. The, the two most storied franchise, the most uh, franchise with the most rings and, right. and the most with the richest traditions, the Celtics and Lakers, they're the, they're the teams that's in disarray right now. Not a really good outlook for the NBA for sure. Yep. Um, last Saturday night, the Rockets um, went into Oracle Arena, a building that, you know, a lot of teams, when they go into there, <laughs> they get intimidated. It's not an easy place to win at. Well, in the last two years, the Rockets, including the playoffs, although they lost last year, are, are actually seven. I've won seven of their last 11 meetings with the Golden State Warriors. Yes, that includes th- being 3-0 and this year without their leader in James Harden, whom, uh, you know, was banged up. And then Chris Paul went for 17, 17 assists uh, to go along with 21 points. Kenny, Kenneth Fareed, he has to be you know six man of the month or or of the stratosphere right i mean 16 and 10 came out of nowhere austin rivers also pitched in double double figures as well so 
the Rockets right now to you? Uh, um, are they are they looking at the team that they were last year? Are they actually right now rounding into form? <laughs> they are rounding into form. At, at the start of the season, when they lost Lincoln Bob Mute and Trevor Ariza, you could you saw it, man. They just had defensive lapses like no other. They couldn't stop anybody, Sebi. It was just they would it was high scoring matchups. The only way that they was going to win basketball games is putting up over 125 points. That's how bad their defense was at the start of the season. With these these additions, these these uh, late these midseason acquisitions of Kenneth Fareed, Austin Rivers, and Iman Shumpert have added have added a defensive pressure that I didn't think that they were going to have. This team defensively gets physical. They get at you. We 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 were never. I never looked at Austin Rivers as a as a defensive a perimeter defensive stopper. That's what right. he's been since he's been in with the Houston Rockets. He's been he's been guarding some of the best uh, um, perimeter players, and he's been doing a great job. Him, Kenneth Fareed, Imar Shumpert as well, has been a great acquisition on the defensive side. I mean, like this team, we all we already know what PJ Tucker can do. He you can't Absolutely. stop you can't stop Kevin Durant, but he makes it tough on on you every time. I don't care who he's guarding. So he, he this Rockets team matches up great with the Warriors. You know, the Warriors sometimes they'll start off a game slow. And then they'll pick it up and, stay, and finally win the game, but when it comes to the Houston Rockets, they can't do that. You can't do that against a team that matches up well with you, and that's what Houston does. They 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 spotted Houston fifteen points last Saturday in that game, and they they tried to catch up, which they did. But it was they spent all their energy catching up that Houston was able to capitalize when it mattered most, and they, and they won that game. And they're three and zero against them this year. That that's and part of the reason why they're one of the best. They're one of the best threats to the Warriors outside of the Oklahoma City Thunder would be because they have someone like Chris Paul. Chris Paul is someone that you want to go to war with. He's a dog. He's a rough rider. He's he's someone that he adds he brings a different type of intensity to your team. He got, he brings the best out of his players. Uh, it's like when you're out there going, you want to go to war with a guy like him because you know what he's gonna give. No doubt. It's almost like a, a Russell Westbrook. You know that you know he's gonna give you everything. It's up to you now. It's up to you now to bring that same intensity, if not more. So the Rockets definitely, if if the Rockets see the Warriors in the seven game series, it's a pick 'em series when it comes to these two teams because they match up so well. And if Chris right. Paul stays healthy, this is a this is a confident bunch that feels not a, that don't not only knows that they can beat them, but they have the confidence and the mentality that they know they can go out there and in Oracle and win and home they can beat this Warriors team. Well, uh, and, and, and what's interesting to me with this is I go along back to coaching. You go back to Dan Tony's early days as an assistant, an executive, I mean, not an executive, an assistant, and then coaching with the Phoenix Suns, with Amari, Nash, Barbosa, that explosive offense, right. all offense, running gun. He goes to New York, Carmelo Anthony, Raymond Felton, J.R. Smith in his prime. You know, all running gun. Amari came after that, but that was a fading Amari. Right. And then he comes to Houston and he arguably has Chris Paul and James Harden. That might be his best duo ever as in his coaching uh, career. And right. uh, he's also said it that, you know, James Harden, the best player that he's coached. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and, and I give credit to Dan Tony because this is a offensive genius and offensive guru. Well, he has his guys bind into defense. Sure I'm not does. sure if, if it's Dan Marley um, as the executive bringing in three and D guys, guys that are, Gritty, that are nasty, like Chris Paul, like Ariza, like Tucker, Kenneth Fareed, uh, Austin Rivers, guys that are hard-nosed, blue-collar, even um, green to a certain extent. Right. Guys that can that are willing to buy in to play defense. I'm not sure if Dan Tony has changed his 
coaching strategy or um, if he's em- emphasizing on defense now. But lately, the, their MO as of late in these last year and a half or two, they've been playing excellent defense under Mike D'Antoni. And that's what it's going to take. We've seen the blueprint of beating Golden State. You, you're not going to outscore Golden State. That's that's a no-no. These guys are too talented. They've got five of the top 25 players in the world. Right. You're not going to outscore them. So you got to get physical with them, and you got to have an identity defensively. And that's what the Rockets have done. And they've shown that there are no pushovers. They're not afraid of the moment. They've got two key top five, five-star caliber players that can go in any building at any war and, and beat you. Right. And so if they go to war with the Golden State in a seven-game series, they might win some battles. And so it, it's going to be a very enticing to see. Um, nevertheless, the second half of the NBA season, folks, is right upon us. And when we come back, myself and Michael go ahead and touch on the Zion Williamson saga down there in Duke. Is he the consensus number one overall pick? Or does R.J. Barrett, his sidekick, or John Morant of Murray State have a case for themselves? You're listening to the SEBI Podcast Show. Streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Hello, my name is Ian Saunders with Saunders Property Group, powered by Home Expo Realty. I'm a sponsor, proud sponsor, and a big fan of the SEBI podcast show. Make sure you tune in. Just wanted to share uh, a few nuggets with you about the Central Florida real estate market. Uh, Population growth is about 7%, which is among the top in the country, especially here in Central Florida. And I got news for you. If you're a renter, Average rent is about $1,600 a month. What if I told you you can purchase a home, a $200,000 home, and pay less than that? Well, we can show you how. Uh, Just want to be sure that you guys understand that at this point, interest rates have dropped to a 10-month low, so that means the money is cheap and you get more bang for your buck. So if you're looking to learn more, definitely touch bases with me. Definitely tune in to SEBI Podcast Show. And in fact, hashtag SEBI Podcast Show, and I'll help you get lender credits, pay off your closing costs. Hey, thanks for your time. Have a good one. And we're back here on on WNSC Radio. Our segment here is proud and sponsored by Home Expo Realty, Ian Saunders, the best in the business. Hashtag Sebi Podcast. That's right, folks. Hashtag Sebi Podcast. If you're in the market looking for a home, and my man, Ian Saunders, can give you some lender's credit. Remember, hashtag Sebi Podcast. If you want to get some great incentives, and you want to become a homeowner. And proud sponsor here on Home Expo Realty. Segment here, Zion Williamson. His injury that he suffered a couple games ago against the North Carolina Tar Heels in the beginning of that game. <laughs> it made you know, shockwaves throughout the national publicity. Oh, sure why is he wearing Paul George? Should he sign with Nike? Adidas may come back as a great competitor now. Puma's in it. McMill is vouching for Zion to be signed with him. <laughs> a lot of stuff is going on. <laughs> but my question to you, Mike, is this. Duke, if I can recall, they got the, this year, they got the top three players out of high school to join the Blue Devils this season. That being 
number one R.J. Barrett. People don't actually remember this. Zion wasn't the number one player coming out of high school. R.J. Barrett was. Right, Coming right. two would be Zion Williamson, and then three would be Cam Reddish. Well, without Zion, and, and you being another coach, let's say, oh, you're Kansas, or let's say you're another legendary coach. Um, I don't know. Let's say you're Tom Izzo of Michigan State, and you're getting the tournament. Without Zion Williamson, do you fear this Blue Devils team with only Barrett and Cam Reddish? Define fear. As in terms of, do you believe that the Blue Devils can make a Final Four run without the service of Zion Williamson? Me, me personally, I didn't have them going to the Final Four with Zion Williamson. Whoa. I mean, me, me personally, that, that, that's just where I was. I didn't, with Zion Williamson on the court, uh, this season, I didn't have the the Duke Blue Devils getting getting past the Sweet Sixteen. I, I I just I just don't see it because this team it's hard for four freshmen to 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 not only win a championship but to to handle that type of type of big time Gosh. adversity in the tournament because there's there's teams out here with a lot of seniors. That are starving for that national championship, starving for starving to make things happen, and they have that sense of pride. Like I'll be, I'll be. It's not happening. I'm not letting the fresh. I'm not letting the freshman t- take this opportunity away from me. You know no what doubt. I mean? So that, that that's where I, that's where I'm at when it comes to Duke. I feel like Duke is a great team, but the, their inexperience of the tournament, their inex, their inexperience of that big moment was gonna. I felt like it was gonna catch up to them. And a team was going to surprise them in the, in the, in the uh, tournament and beat them earlier than, than people anticipated. So even with Zion Williamson in the lineup, I didn't have Duke going to the Final Four. So without Duke, with, without Zion Williamson, I sure, I sure don't have Duke going to the Final Four either way. But they're still a fun team. They were a fun team to watch. They're, they're still a fun team to watch. And they're still a, they're still a great team. But it, it's, one, it's one game in college, in college basketball. It's not a series. So in, in what, one game, anything can happen. No, no, undoubt, undoubt. But here, here's my thing. There's only been, let's say, since 2003. We, we're, we're still kind of in the LeBron James area, even though it's declining. And since 2003, when LeBron James, we had James, Carm- Carmelo Anthony, Wade, that, that great 2003 draft. Since then, I think there's only been five players, four or five players that I said coming out of college, oh, yeah, I can already see it potential superstar, five-star players, and maybe Hall of Famers. That right. being LeBron James in 2003. That being um, Kevin Durant in 2008. That being Anthony Davis in 2012 when he won a national title with Kentucky. And that being, of course, Luka Doncic this past year in the Eurobasket League. Those four guys, I've seen them outside of the NBA, even before being in the NBA, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to take the lead by storm. I already know it. I get that same feeling with Zion Williamson and when I see him. And not just him as a player or how exhilarating he is, how exciting he is as a, as a player with all the, the fireworks, the dunks and everything. But he's shown that he's more of a dunker. He can put the ball on the floor. He can facilitate. He can, you know, orchestrate the offense, bring the ball up the floor and actually run the offense. He can shoot. He can shoot mid-range. He can shoot three-point shots. They're probably not volume three-point shots, but he can shoot it. Because Coach K has ensured that to make Zion Williamson NBA ready so he can be pro ready as best as possible. Right. And the thing that they miss about Zion Williamson is defensively. I'll yeah. tell you, I forgot what game it was. I think it was against the Virginia game. I seen Zion Williamson 
go from one court to the other court and actually cover so much ground. In amazing, bro. He's amazing. I mean, what he does defensively for you is astounding. Yeah. Let's let's first go back to the North Carolina game. Luke May, senior oh. Luke May. Oh my! Sixty. They gave up sixty-two points in the paint. Zion Williamson. You're telling me that's going to happen when he's there? I'm not sure about that. Um, they lose last night to VTech. Zion Williamson's there. I can assure you that they beat them. A Virginia Tech Hokie team. Although Blackshear had a great game, credit to Buzz Williams. He's a great coach and always has his Hokies ready to play any top 10 opponent that comes into their building in Blacksburg. Credit to them. They did a phenomenal job in pulling off the upset. And shout out to Kerry Blackshear Jr. He balled out 23 and 10. He had a game. Absolutely. He had a Absolutely. Game. And Hokies, they, 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 they're, they're a scary team to watch into the tournament. Right. And, and so... With Zion Williamson, I actually had them going to the Final Four. Now, without him, I mean, as great as Barrett is offensively and as great as Cam Reddish is coming onto his own, I'm with you on this, Mike. I don't even think they probably – their ceiling may be Sweet 16. If not, not even the Elite Eight, maybe Sweet 16. This is a team that they're young. They're not – they're inexperienced. You're going to run into these mid-major teams that are filled with juniors and seniors that will – you know, take over the moment. They will know how to game plan for you as freshmen and, and things like that. And I'm not saying that freshman freshman led teams can't do it. Obviously, we've seen the Kentuckys do it for so long under Coach Cal. But this team without Zion Williamson, people don't underestimate Zion Williamson's impact on both ends of the floor. This is a guy in Zion Williamson that impacts a game with just his presence. Jay Williams, uh, a former Dukey. Or, or Duke Blue Devil, should I say? <laughs> he said that opponents that go into Coach K's court down there in Cameron Indoor, where Duke play, sometimes they they lose the game in warmups, just being surprised the size, the frame, the rare specimen of how great Zion Williamson is. They see J R J Barrett throwing up highlight reel dunks pregame. You know, opponents get fear Duke in warmups. Well. Right. Now, going into the tournament, they're not going to have that same fear anymore because there's no Zion Williamson. R.J. Barrett has shown uh, some efficiencies as a playmaker. Now, he's a big-time scorer. He's a big-time scorer. R.J. Barrett, big-time. He he could do that. But as a playmaker, you know, there's some deficiencies there. He turns the ball over. He gets careless with the ball. Cam Reddish is a streaky player. Now, all of a sudden, these mid-major teams, these Big Ten teams that get at-large bids, these Big 12 teams that get at-large bids, at bids, the Big East teams that get at-large at bids, all of a sudden they play a Duke team and say, you know what? We're not scared. This is Coach K. Now here's my question to you, Mike. If you're Coach K, Zion is healthy. The medical staff has said that he's good to go. He's been cleared. What do you do with Zion? He, you, he plays. You let that kid decide. If he wants to, you, let, you make him make the decision. If he wants to play, play. I'm sure he, but that's the thing with Zion. Zion is he loves the game. He loves the game of basketball. It's not about, you know, he doesn't, he's not playing for injuries. Like, like when you out there playing, Sevy, you don't play, they worrying about an injury. Like, they, they happen. I mean, it's part of the game. It comes with the territory. But you go, to, you're going to play all out. I, I guarantee you, whenever Zion comes back, he's going to play hard, if not harder than what he was playing pre-injury. So, I, I, I know Zion Williamson's going to play because he's already come out and said it. I lo- I just love the game. I love to play basketball, and you got you got to respect that in the kid. He's not thinking about the 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 money and all, and all the other stuff, the business aspect of it. 
He just he just wants to go out there and play ball. He signed up for this in the beginning of the season. He signed up to play for Duke basketball. So he he's gonna honor he's gonna honor that and he's gonna uh he's he's gonna stand on stand on his word and, and, and stick with the team. I I know he's gonna I know he's gonna play. Yes, I, I agree with you, Coach K. I mean, forget all the nonsense about Zion Williamson having a great pro career. Uh, he'll he needs to make sure that he's fit and ready uh, to be a great NBA player because of his draft stock, his prospect. Let's be honest. At worst, this guy's going to. I, I think he's the consensus number one overall pick, regardless if he's injured or not or banged right. up or not. He's going to be, at worst, a right. top two pick. And so, what in Coach K's mindset is Duke excellence is we want national titles. We're here to win. And I think that, you know, if 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 he's going to have Zion in uh, limited restriction minutes, whether it may be that, you know, a couple guys get off the bench that, that comes in, in place for them. By the way, Alex O'Connell, especially against uh, Syracuse. They sure did. Six threes. The so they're going to need that three-point shooting if Zion comes back. But so, that, you know. I'm sorry. They're going to need him for a final four stretch. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're absolutely right. And, my, that, and that's my problem with Duke. That, that, that six for nine shooting that, that, that Alex O'Connell had against Syracuse, that was, a, that was a rare occasion because this Duke team is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. And not only that, that that's going to be one of their downfalls in the, in the tournament. But not only that, even when Zion's in the, in the lineup, they rely too much on Zion and uh, R.J. Bird. But outside of that, they, they, where did you where did they get their offense? They all <laughs> absolutely. They 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 get they get mesmerized by how talented these guys are, and they just stand around. I agree with that, Tom. So it, it's it's definitely going to be interting to see what the Blue Devils do come postseason time. The ACC tournament is up for grabs. You've got uh, North Carolina are uh, hitting right. their strides. The UVA Cavaliers hitting their stride, so nothing is given right now. And all right now, as it stands, UVA would win the regular season, uh, uh conference championship right now. So uh, Duke's has a lot of makeup to do composing that. But nevertheless, the Blue Devils, Blue Blue Devils, should I say, will always be under the spot sure with or without Zion. So when you saw how packed out the Carrier Dome was, Whew. absolutely, absolutely. And I actually thought that Syracuse would win that game, but they did. (laughs) Uh, Folks, when we come back, myself and Mike will go ahead and touch on some number one seeds, number two seeds, and kind of predict how the NCAA tournament will be. We'll get our thinking caps as committees and give our thoughts of the upcoming seeds. This is the SEBI Podcast Show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Michael Gray, Sebi here on the Sebi Podcast Show. Today, the NCAA tournament selection Sunday is about two to three weeks away. The conference tournament and conference championships should be exciting. Mike, your four number one seeds, what are they? Ah, my four number one seeds. I would say. Should, should I give you my four number one seeds or should I give you my four my, my teams where I feel like who's gonna be in the final four? Four number one seeds for now. Okay. 
because yeah. I, I think that that it has to be it, all of that is predicated on the four number one seeds and well they land and uh well that has to be di- dictated because of like geographical you know how all that stuff goes so right right, right my, well my four number my, my four number one seeds right now would be Gonzaga UVA Duke and um let's see let's see let's Kentucky. Would would that be in that order? No, it would not be in that order. It okay, it, it, order. as in Actually, terms of who would you know, be the number Kentucky, one overall? Kentucky and North Carolina can interchange because I feel like if North Carolina goes on the streak right here and wins the last three games, and, and Kentucky loses one or two, they could fall into that fourth seed. So it's a it's a high chance North Carolina could be right there, but I'm, I'm gonna go with Kentucky for right now. Okay, all right. And who would be your number one overall? My number one overall seed right now. I gotta give it. I gotta give it to Gonzaga. Okay. Okay. As as consistent as they, as they've been throughout the season, and just so fun to watch. Seb, you, I, I'm I'm pretty sure you watch you watch Gonzaga play. They, no doubt. No they, doubt. They are. They, aren't they a show? They, they are a show. It's, it's like it, 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 they play team basketball. It, they they can be they can play inside. They can play outside. It's it's amazing, man. I, I love watching Gonzaga play. And I like what you brought up with with Gonzaga. Yes, they get discredited because they're in a weak conference. But Mark Few, you want to talk about a great coach? You got the John B lines, the Tom Izzo's, the Bill Self, the Coach Gays, the, um, you know, Coach Williams down there in North Carolina. Mark Few is as good as as it gets. If you're not one of those other coach, coaches, and then you've got great talent. They've got a top eight pick in that big man inside. You know who I'm talking about? Exactly, Kamuchiara. Exactly. Yep. A great. I mean, this guy can beat you inside and outside. He's your proto- prototypical modern-day uh, big man. He can step outside and shoot. He could beat you and bang down low. I like this, brother. And then you got Josh Perkins as your point guard. Yes. You've got Norvell, who can knock down tray balls. Hey, Gonzaga, they may not be tested in their conference, but I'll tell you this. They can play anybody, anywhere, in any neutral site and beat them. And right. I agree with you. Right now, as it stands, they'll be my number one overall pick um, as a seeding. I'm going to go ahead and put UVA there as well with Duke, and I'm going to round it up with Kentucky. I'll also agree with you there. Tennessee and North Carolina still has a lot to play for. They got Kentucky one more time, uh, that being the Volunteers, and also North Carolina has Duke again uh, to play for. Um, But my my two seeds would be Michigan State. Here's another team that I'd keep an eye on, Michigan State. Cassius Winston. I don't, uh, Mike, I don't know if you fell in love with this brother, but I have. I Cassius sure have. Is one of the best players in the nation. Yes. I mean, this guy right here is a legit Naismith Player of the Year candidate. What he did going to Ann Arbor in Michigan in a yellow out game in Michigan. You know how those Michigan fans are. Oh, yeah. That's a rivalry. Michigan, Exactly. And Michigan all of a sudden has turned their program to not only a football t- school, they've come to a basketball school as well. Right. And what he did against all odds, no Nick Ward inside. Obviously one of the best big men in the Big Ten. Jeremy Langford out for the year would suffer an ACL. Cassius Winston has been the soulmate and carried this team, this this Spartan team, on his shoulders. This is a six one point guard that is averaging seven and a half to eight assists a game and 21 points a game by far the big 10 player of the year uh ethan happen wisconsin may have something to say about that carson edwards of purdue but to my pick if i had to pick cassius Winsley, it's been big time michigan state is a sneaky number two 
uh, seed there as well. And I'm also throwing Houston. Houston mm-hmm. has yes. been great all year. Uh, they're in the AAC here. I got a chance to watch them live against um, US, UCF, and boy, did they put on a show. Corey, jo- uh, Corey Davis Jr., absolutely big time. They're a sneaky two seed because with them, you don't know how to game plan for them. Okay. Because there's not a lot of tape on them. They're in a very weak conference, but they are solid as heck, man. These guys are 28 and 1, and and the, their only loss is being to Oregon. I know that looks bad, but that's when Oregon had Bolbol, who's out and suffered this. Uh, exactly. Yep. Exactly. So Houston is a two seed to me, along with Michigan State, Tennessee, as well as North Carolina right now. But like I said, it, those three that I mentioned with um, the Spartans, North Carolina, as well as Tennessee, and these last couple games, along with the tournament, the conference tournaments can say a lot to potentially being number one seeds. And now, teams, to you, what are some of your final four uh, teams that, that can go on a run to, amongst these these eight that I mentioned in this pool? Well, one of them is the, is the first team you mentioned as far as your best number two. This is actually, you, you, you actually right on the money. Me and you agree with this. My first number two is Michigan State. I'm this close to making them one of my top four teams, but Michigan State, there is just something about a Tom Izzo team that you just never count them out. Never. Without one of my team. favorite coaches. He's one of my favorite coaches. Definitely. I, you never count their team out because I don't care what the situation is as far as injuries, whatever the case may be. He got. He has his team. You have Tom Izzo. You will. They will. He will find a way to the best way to utilize his players. And I love watching Michigan State. You're right. Cassius Winston has been balling, and what he did in, in, against Michigan going up there at Ann Arbor was was, was nothing but sensational. But you're right. Michigan State could, is, is would be in my Final Four. Gonzaga would be in my Final Four. I feel like UVA would be in my Final Four only because they're motivated to prove uh, they're motivated coming off losing in the first round last year. The first losing in the first game. My my problem with UVA is they've been so uh, they've underperformed in these tournaments. Yes. I mean, Tom Tony Bennett teams have always been great defensively. But they've never carried that to a final four run. Is this the year? Is this the year that they break through? I feel like I feel like this is the year that, that they could possibly break through because they play great defense, man. I love watching them play defense. Yes, yes, they um they they have they have two losses um against, against Duke. Duke, so right. we we already know how that goes. But as far as outside of that, they're pretty much an undefeated team, and, and just uh, their defensive intensity and the way they lost last season. They lost their their best player last year in Hunter. He he got hurt right before the tournament, so right. that was a devastating loss. So when they went into the he's tournament, he's a top ten camp. potential, player. right? So they have him healthy draft. this year, and I know he's motivated to prove that. Yeah, we should. If, if I was if I was in the lineup last year, it would have been a different outcome. So it's 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 a lot to go into that. I feel like I feel like UVA, Michigan State, definitely Gonzaga, and possibly possibly North Carolina. Possibly North Carolina. I could possibly see North Carolina going on a run as well. Luke May has been balling this year. Luke, I like this North Carolina team with Luke May, uh, White, uh, Cam Cam Johnson. So this team is balling. I like I like North Carolina. We all know what Roy Williams could do in the playoffs. So, right. I definitely like this right. team. But I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one team that I'm not sleeping on that can make a run. I don't know to the Final Four possibly, but they 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 possibly can sneak up on teams. Syracuse. Mm. I say Syracuse because of that zone. 
We saw what Syracuse, that zone. We saw what that right. zone did. Did um last year get getting them knocking out Michael Bridges and Michigan State, knocking out some beating some teams that they weren't supposed to be. And a couple of years ago, we saw it get them all the way to the Final Four. So right, right. And you can never count out. You can never count out Syracuse. Anymore. That's that's Jim Behind. That zone has been effective all year and. And the thing I like about him is he knows personnel. He gets long, lengthy guys to play the zone. Not right. just any ordinary guy can play his zone. We need long guys that can play the zone. Plus, it's a little hometown love right there. My, the starting point guard, number 23, Frank Howard. I, I grew up with him. We went to uh, middle school and we middle school together. So, I definitely want to see him keep winning, keep doing this thing. Definitely. My my top four would be this. I, I love Gonzaga. Um They've they showed me they've showed me enough. Uh, Gonzaga to me looks like a Final Four team. I'd have them there. I'd also, um, to me, have Kentucky. Kentucky, PJ Washington, and what Keldon Johnson has done. Yep. This is not your typical Coach Calipari talented teams. There's no John Wall there. No Devin Booker. There's no Demarcus Cousins. Anthony Davis right. there. Um, there's no De'Aaron Fox or maybe Monk. But boy, collectively. Kentucky to me has been has been awfully impressive, and they put a beat down against the Volunteers. They sure did. So they sure did. You, the, uh, so you you, right. you you brought up a great point, saying I I'm sorry to cut you off, but you brought up a great point as far as as far as Kentucky this year, because normally they do have the big time stars, but John Calipari mixed it up this year. That's, that's a great point of doing it as a collective unit instead of that one big time star, because he's seen in the past that one big time star just hasn't cut it majority of the time outside of Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? So. So it's like that one big star doesn't always get you to where you want to go. And the way they're playing right now, they're playing great team basketball. You're right. You're they're right. playing excellent basketball, excellent basketball. And I credit Coach Cal adapting to that, just yep. seeing that he doesn't have those top recruits, all of them going to Duke, which might, must have hurt him. Right. <laughs> but yeah. nevertheless, they've adjusted. And to me, on the eye test, I think they're a Final Four uh, a contender um, as well. And, and like you said, Michigan State is is gonna make a run for it. North Carolina, Tennessee's not out of this. Um, if Schofield and Grant Williams can get things going, so there's a lot of uh, teams to watch out. But I'm gonna pass this to you um, before we leave here. Give me a sneaky dark horse, a fifth seed, a seventh seed, maybe like a, a a double digit seed like the Ramblers last year who can go on a run that nobody's talking about. If all goes well and they land on a great great pool, tell me a team or two that that can make a run. LSU, Texas Tech. I would go with those two teams. LSU, I like what I'm seeing these last few games, but they're getting hot at the right time. They just beat a, a, a very good Tennessee team, and they just they just won again last night. I like I like what I'm seeing from LSU right now playing this again. If, if all goes well, like you said, they could possibly sneak up on some teams. And Sebi, Texas Tech is a very interesting team as well because they're electric. They're an electric, explosive basketball team. That Absolutely. if they get hot, they 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 can they can if they get hot in the tournament. I mean, all bets are off. It's to throw the seasons out the window. If Texas Tech can hit can hit shots the way they've been hitting shots this year, all bets are off. All bets are off. <laughs> so, so, I mean, possibly those are my two teams that can possibly make a run at somebody and sneak up on some teams. Absolutely, there. Um, any any teams that's uh maybe in the top three, top four right now that you're not really sold on in a tournament that could potentially have an early exit? 
possibly Duke, depending on Zion's health, if, if Zion is, is there for the tournament. If Zion's there for the tournament, they're not going to get a first-round exit. I don't see it. I feel, I, I feel like they'll survive the first round. But um, we actually talked about it. You you make a good point about UVA sometimes with the inconsistency in the tournament. They, they could possibly suffer suffer a loss, a loss that is surprising to the country as well. So, yeah, I would say Duke and UVA, depending on the matchup and depending on who they end up playing. Great, great there. Um, I, I have to definitely agree with you with those two teams. You're talking about LSU, the Bayou, um, the Bayou Bengals down there in near um, in Baton Rouge. They have been awfully impressive, Mike. Yep. I mean, this is a team that went into Rupp Arena in Kentucky and beat them in their home floor. And then at home, in overtime, it took them overtime, but they beat Tennessee. They got the job done. You beat obviously the two best teams in the SEC, right? And right now, they're not your typical. Right now, they'd be a two or a three seed. They're not your typical two or three seed. They are peaking at the right time, and that's how it is. You better be playing your best basketball late February throughout March because in the SEC tournament, the favorites will be Tennessee and Kentucky. I'll tell you, LSU will definitely put on a show and try to derail those teams. So I love LSU as a dark horse there. And I'm also agreeing with you with that Texas Tech. I'm drinking that Kool-Aid. <laughs> Jared Culver, who is a top 10 pick man, in the NBA draft. He's big time. Big time. He is. He is big time. There's, there is no flaws in this brother's Ooh. game. He could put the ball on the floor. He could shoot lights off on a three ball. He could shoot the mid-range. He could get to the line. He could get to the cup. I love watching me some Jared Culver. And if the Red Raiders get hot, like you said, from three-point land, whoo. Look out, because they can put on three-point exhibition. We saw what they did, exposing Bill Self in Kansas. And that was awfully impressive, too, because it's not every day that you expose a Bill Self team. Right. So the Texas Tech is going to be very, very interesting uh, to watch. Another team is a South Dakota State. You probably don't know about them, but there's a guy by the name of Mike Dong. Okay. He actually got 3,000 career points. I think he's uh, probably top seven now along with Doug McDermott and, and, and others of all time um, college basketball scorers. They'll probably be a 10th, a 11th um, seed, but these guys, they're in a weak conference, but boy, they can play. They play for one another. They move the basketball. Obviously they're going to have issues with bigger teams that have size and frame, but Mike Dom is a legit player that can get it done. So uh, he could shoot. He's a big man. He's a stretch four. look out for him to make a name for him in the tournament. Um, and potentially be one of those dark horse teams to come out. But uh, honestly, you know, outside of that, um, I'd have to see it to believe it, to see any other teams to make a run there. Um, it may just be chalk. It may just be one of these top one or two or three seeds to um, get into the final four. But nevertheless, it's going to be fun for us to watch and talk about. And for myself and Michael Gray here on the Sebi Podcast Show, thank you for listening to us. Until next time. And this is Sebi Podcast. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there. 
at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan.